0: Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel,
1: and I'm Megan.
0: Let's shake our gray, gray Megan. Of course. Oh my gosh, I think some of my underarm flab shook with that. Oh one. my that god, was, don't even get me started. Too hard.
1: I don't even need to shake the sack; I can just shake my arms, <laughs> put some beads or something in there
0: um it's October. it is October. it's it. our favorite time of year so we're gonna be
1: releasing some of the spooky stuff there'll be some normal cases in here too but of course we yeah. like spooky i'm
0: working on a two-parter that is going to be very in-depth and i think i've said it like three times now i'm i'm still working on this two-parter I've but honestly her. it's perfect for the fall it happened in the fall and it is like a spooky could be a spooky story for sure, but it's just a tragic case. So that's coming up soon. So stay tuned, everybody. All right. Two
1: very special shoutouts. Um, yesterday, by the time that this airs, if we if it airs tonight, um, were two birthdays of our fantastic, fabulous patreons, Miss Tasha and Kangaroo Sack Jason. Yes. So happy birthday to both of happy you! Happy
0: birthday to both of you! And I find it ironic that some of our very first ever Patreons have the same birthday. That's not coincidental. It's something karmic about it, right? It's a synchronicity in the universe. I believe that. Mm -hmm. And to go
1: along with that, I am going to give Tasha the biggest shout out ever because I could not have done this episode without her. So I'm going to present to you the vampires of new Orleans. I am so excited for this. When I went down this last time to visit, of course we got together again and she told me all kinds of good stories and she shows me around and she's really like the best tour guide. But then I also spent all about three hours on the phone with her last night and got some additional information. So is
0: that all three hours? Just three on the hours? Phone. That's yeah. All.
1: Neither one of us like to talk at all. So <laughs> yep. I have good info.
0: I'm so excited. You ready? Yes. And thank right. you. Preemptive. Thank you to Tasha. That's right. All right, so the world is
1: obsessed with vampires, we know. Is it because of the terror that they bring? Or I like to think it's because of that certain amount of sex and seduction associated with these mythical monsters. I Absolutely. mean, come on, what's what's more seductive than being bit on the neck, drawing a little blood, yeah, connected forever, you hope you don't die? It's kind of like dating, I I hear, these little days. bit, these days, right. yeah.
0: We haven't done it in a long time, but I, th- I exactly. think you're right. I think you're on to something.
1: So... Are they based in truth? I mean, vampire lore goes back forever. Um, and real, realistically, the question is, do vampires walk among us still? And in New Orleans, you can go very specifically on vampire tours. And they believe so, some of them. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of you should ask, Are you? do you believe in Twilight vampires or Blade vampires? Because there's a pretty big difference between the two.
0: I hear. I've only watched the Twilight vampires. Well, both sparkle. And they're they relatively
1: do. nice. And in Blade, not so much. Oh, I thought maybe. Or do you want a combination of the two, which is your vampire diaries Highly suggest if you want to watch Vampire Smut, that's the show for you. (laughs) Or even worse, True Blood, um, which is based off the fantastic Sookie Stackhouse series that I highly recommend reading, also set in Louisiana. But uh, the True Blood version on HBO, really softcore porn. So you have that available to you as well. Gosh,
0: you've given us a plethora of options of how we can get our vampire on. If you haven't
1: (laughs) figured it out yet, if I'm going to pick a mythical monster, it's going to be a vampire. Sure. Possibly want to be one. Um, or get bit by one, haven't decided yet. So pop culture and novels and movies lend this romanticism to the vampire myth and with an overwhelming majority landing the vamp culture smack dab in Louisiana. Most often with New Orleans, you know, Big Easy itself, because secondary only to voodoo and unexplained rituals and mysticism surrounding that is the ever-present vampire culture in New Orleans.
0: See, I didn't realize that. I've also never visited, but this, this surprises me. So interesting. Interestingly,
1: this city has not one, but multiple vampire balls every year. Oh, like dances. You can go to a ball. Correct. A gala, a ball where everybody is dressed as a vampire and, um, or their victim.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah, things can get steamy there as well. Which one would you go as vampire or victim? Or would you change it up each year?
1: I think, you know, I like to be in control. So we probably can guess I'm going as a vampire. For sure.
0: Um, specific vampire tours
1: of New Orleans are always a hit with visitors. You have to go on one when you go. And maybe it's because literary lovers revel in the fact that Anne Rice herself lived there. I believe she lives in California now. I've seen her house actually on a private tour, and there are actually two homes that she'd owned at one point. Um, surprisingly, one of the houses I believe that she owned actually is next to Trent Reznor, who was the lead singer, by the way, of Nine Inch Nails, in case you might be a a metal fan as Mm. well, which I am. Mm -hmm. I would also let him bite me, by the way. Right. <laughs> Just throwing that P. out there. Uh-huh. P.S. Trent, if you're listening or a fan, <laughs> um, I, I'll get a hall pass. Um, you can wander the streets, the cemeteries, and scenery from the iconic interview with a vampire. I mean, again, who doesn't fantasize about being bitten by a melancholy Brad Pitt in the French Quarter?
0: Absolutely. From his early days, oh, certainly. Oh, God, with the yes. long hair.
1: Even if visitors find they really just ended up outside the infamous dungeon bar being bitten by hot Cajun. Also, I'm sure, a ton of fun right. <laughs> And the dungeon and I, bar. I bet it's happened. Highly recommend. Yes. But in the interest of being, just for the record, in that bar, you may not take your phone out. You cannot take pictures, and there's literally a camera, like, watching you when you come into the bar. That's my kind of an establishment. I like that. No proof. Yep, that's right. (laughs) So in the interest of being bitten by intoxicating strangers and legendary bloodsuckers, tonight I'm going to tell you about the most famous vampire legends of New Orleans. The first is the Count Saint-Germain and Jacques Saint-Germain. So I'm going to start with Count Saint-Germain. Well, in New Orleans, this first legend stretches back to France in the illustrious 1700s when there was a mysterious man who was charming the courts of Europe. This man was known as the Comte de Saint-Germain. He was strange, extraordinary, and mysterious, said to be a master pianist and violinist, Also a master of at least six different languages with unrivaled skills in conversation. We always appreciated a man that could carry on a conversation even even in the 1700s. Maybe one that bathes also would be nice. That would be great. Saint Germain was a music composer as well, composing several arias and violin solos. So he's a romantic, cultured man of the court.
0: He has a long... A list biography. of things. If he
1: was on a Tinder with those, he would get so many swipes right.
0: He would. Yes. yes. Modern day. Oh, yeah. Tinder hottie. I don't
1: know what we would call him for sure, who we would even compare him to. I, that, oh. Especially since the rumors of his wealth were also of legend. He carried gems around in his clothing and no one knew how he came into such wealth. In fact, no one knew anything about his family, where he came from, or who he was or who he was in general just to come strutting around all of a
0: sudden in the courts in Europe those were crystals. Big. He didn't have gems. Maybe he had not. crystals they and were. he just bamboozled the whole town with his charm. Exactly. <laughs> well,
1: you know, rumors start then, right? That's right. So some accounts claim that he was the son, the son of Francis II Rokoski, a prince of Transylvania.
0: Oh, yes, Francis. I
1: said tra- Francis from Francis right? <laughs> right? Well, Transylvania is going to bring up ideas of vampirism anyway. Absolutely. This is where your Bram Stoker regular accounts come mm-hmm. from the count was also known to have a passion for alchemy and i found this interesting so he was believed to have an extraordinary talent for maintaining his youth well alchemists were seekers of perpetual life and youth alchemists are usually described in pop culture as handlers of metal trying to turn them invaluable for example to gold so the simple way to describe an alchemist is with threefold goal goals so the first was to find the stone of knowledge this will sound familiar it's called the philosopher's stone oh think harry potter yeah okay that's what that was was Mm -hmm. part of it the the legendary alchemist had discovered the philosophers or sorcerer's stone and perhaps it was his vast knowledge even of cosmetics and herbs that kept his young. he that kept him young. he may have used those. People are trying to explain why this guy is not seeming to age. The philosopher Voltaire called him the man who knows everything and who never dies. No one really knew his true age. He looked about forty in all of his portraits and continued to look forty for over half a century.
0: But don't all men who seem the that- that act like they know everything seem to never die.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> just
0: kidding, just so, kidding. So, yeah. But interesting. You know, there are modern day alchemists who just really know their way around herbs and yes. uh, tinctures and know, you know, how to cure ailments with natural um products instead of chemical laced things
1: they originally thought though that they would take for example something invaluable like I said lead and turn it to gold that was always Mm. what they were looking for but along with that is this the stone of knowledge so although he was charming engaging he's gracing the dinner tables of many dukes and kings no one had ever seen him eat anything really he would only delicately sip his glass of red wine and poetically opine on every subject from history to philosophy to chemistry maybe it's because he had ibs these are things we didn't think about in those days.
0: That's right. He's Perhaps like, he was afraid
1: he would toot at the gentleman's table. That would be your issue. It
0: would. <laughs> I, however,
1: come from the light, what if he thought he was going to be poisoned by these jealous assholes? Good point. Good right? point. There's that too. Yeah. So he's knowledgeable about every subject and his brilliance at court constantly caused his lineage and wealth to be put into question. People are going to be curious of something they can't explain.
0: Of course. We so, still
1: are myths and legends about him began to spread so he's considered by some to have mastered immortality as many have claimed to have seen him since his alleged death in 1784 was he the ultimate alchemist charnel did he find the philosopher's stone to extend his life or create it did he find the secret to immortality and constant health maybe it was blood Perhaps the blood that he drank disguised in the open as a glass of red wine. Yeah. There have been many that thought that blood was actually the way to sustain immortality. Mm-hmm. And that's how some of these vampire myths originate.
0: I can see how humans derived or, you know, ended up at that theory. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, blood. I mean, it makes it, it perfect pumps sense. through our veins, keeps us alive, right? So yeah. I'll, I'll drink Let's, some, and it'll help. It. Yeah,
1: like like the scene from Stephen King's Carrie, where it's just jumps on her, and her skin is ever so soft. <laughs> as a result, <laughs> right. this is the best facial I've ever had. Would be a funny meme, by the way. So <laughs> this part was taken from a grunge article that I really loved. Oh
0: God, actually, they do. Um, use vampire have you ever heard of the vampire like microneedling that they do where they they draw your blood yes. they put it in um the what is the aerator of some kind yeah it like shakes it up oh my god i'm so sorry you guys right now my brain is not working but um and then micro inject it back in your skin well yeah they yes not inject so much as just like put it over you know then microneedling is all the needles all over your face and whatnot and they yes. they make like this little um self Okay, that's got your blood. It's in it. It's kind of
1: terrifying, but I also and want to do it. it
0: oh, it's, it, I hear that it's fabulous. I'm willing to try. I bet it as they well. do it in
1: New Orleans. We should make They, a, oh, they
0: do it in Jackson. a blood facial. Yeah, it's <laughs> called. They call it the vampire. The vampire fa- facial, facial, essentially. Yes, but yeah, I mean, I po- feel
1: like if I look that up on Google, it would take me to Pornhub.
0: Oh, <laughs> li- li- maybe at first until <laughs> okay. you like put in the yeah, I know a place like Thanks. you know 45 minutes away that does it. Totally checking yeah. it out.
1: Well, we do know this. The Count of St. Germain was a very real person. His existence was documented by nobles in the 18th century, including the writer and politician Horace Walpole, who wrote that the Count was in London in 1743, where he was arrested on espionage charges and subsequently released and kicked out of England. Like, no, thank you, sir. You can leave London now. Wow. Then, years later, he surfaces in the court of the French king, Louis XIV, and after some infighting and political issues, he flees back to England. So, apparently, the mysterious count didn't stay in places long because he soon after was said to be traveling in Russia's political circles, Mm. then a few years later back at French courts, and finally to Germany for a last time before he allegedly died in 1784. He was described as a charmer, not with just his class, but in looks as well. So not just the youthful appearance that led to the rumors of immortality and occult involvement, but uh, some, apparently he was hot, I guess.
0: Oh, for the day he was he quite He was a hottie, dabber, right? Huh? Okay. He was
1: their bread pit. Yeah. Some just wondered if he was the reverse of the gluttony apparent in French courts where men were jealous of the way he carried himself and, w- and women were swooning. So this was a man who took care of himself and was refined. And so perhaps these rumors started because men apparently can be just as catty as women.
0: Of course, we are all human. And as I mentioned
1: Voltaire before, who's a famous satirist, Mm -hmm. uh, not everyone liked him, and French philosopher and writer Voltaire was one of them. So being known for his own sharp wit, um, having a razor tongue with no remorse, I I feel you, Voltaire, um, he wrote in The Comte de Saint-Germain, Uh, by 20th century writer, or he was quoted, I'm sorry, by uh, 20th century writer Isabel Cooper Oakley in the Comte de Saint-Germain, that Voltaire was skeptical of this quote-unquote fraud making waves in the social scene. He wrote to King Frederick of Prussia that Germain would surely meet the monarch eventually as he is a man who never dies and who knows everything. Voltaire's legendary sarcasm may have been closer than he thought. And even the bad boy, let's cue Will Smith music here, Giacomo casanova
0: oh criticized
1: and perhaps was jealous of germain
0: i'm thinking that's what we've oh got. yeah we we've have got... jealous catty men we do in his
1: memoirs he wrote that he would be interested to talk to saint germain and dine with him as the man's wild talk amused me and then he stated that he thought the count was a man of bare-faced lies albeit astonishing ones Oh, so I'm so gonna have dinner with you. Your wild talk amuses me, but you're full of shit.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> right. But I'm not buying anything that you're saying. You got it.
1: Okay. His inability to age was significant. A countess von Gregory claimed she had met a count of Saint Germain once in 1710, and then 50 years later she met this one and said he looked exactly the same. What? He admitted to having met her decades earlier and only would reply with, "I am very old." Spy? Oh. Vampire? Both?
0: Maybe just good at makeup and shape-shifting through the use of he makeup. He
1: learned to contour long before our bronzers were. That's
0: right, before it was Rouge a is, thing. Has,
1: Rouge has existed for a long time. It
0: sure has, yes. Beatles, right? Is that what they maybe crushed up? Maybe he's a little artistic. I mean, he does have, he has all that pianist and violinist um, specialty. An he is an artist, right? He's right. into the arts, so it is possible that he maybe had some... uh. Talents Perhaps. with with shading and making Shady. the face look. <laughs> this is the first less.
1: vampire is uh, in this uh, Nola areas is, is known for his makeup art. <laughs> that it would make sense. <laughs> right. that's why the masks are so important in culture. If you believe that the count was a mortal man uh, that died, then there was a reported deathbed confession that he was actually the deposed Transylvanian prince Francis Rokoski II. So not a son. There was again, there was a this alleged deathbed confession where he said, I'm not Francis Rakowski the second's son, I'm actually him. Oh. Francis claimed his knowledge was from a fantastic education at University of Siena. There was really a Ferenc Radn- Rakowski the second who died in 1735. So there okay. was somebody who died. Okay. But the timelines and ages reportedly don't add up. Maybe he was a fraud and a pauper. Maybe he was actually poor, carrying crystals around instead of gems. Right. Who made up and had tricked the high society in English courts. So that he could partake, so he could sit at the tables. Right. So after Germain reportedly died, the first post-death sighting took place in 1785. He was allegedly chilling out with some hypnotist named Anton Mesmer in Germany. The same year the count was chosen as a Freemason representative for a convention, now we don't know whether that was real, like because he was still around posthumously or was it a post-mortem honor? So oh, he may okay. have been inducted into the Freemasons po- posthumously, which happens. Of course. But one account is that he was there and wandering around, had actually been chilling with this hypnotist who would, wouldn't want to chill with a hypnotist.
0: Oh yes. I'm going to one in December. I'm so excited. For oh, it. I've been to one before. They're super fun. Oh.
1: Also, I was not hypnotized, but people around me started just wandering up on stage, and it was fantastic. <laughs> he was reportedly seen again after the fall of the Bastille, holding a conversation with a French noble, the Comtesse de Mer, where he claimed to predict France's future after the upheaval of the French Revolution. She claims to have seen him a few more occasions until 1820, writing what? that every time she saw Germain, he never seemed to age a day.
0: 18, Still seeing him. Yes. My God. So
1: fast forward to New Orleans, Louisiana, and there appears a man by the name of Jacques Saint-Germain in the early 20th century. He fits every description of the Comte above, around 40, rumors of great wealth, a charming and fascinating dinner guest, and a romantic mystery man in the cultured areas of the Bayou City. So just kind of those fancy parts of town. He was making his way through these social circles.
0: Yeah. All over the world. Oh,
1: yes. We've heard this, his predecessor perhaps, or was it actually him if he is a vampire, Mm -hmm. traveling all over Europe. I mean, we said what? London, France, Mm -hmm. Germany. So now Mm -hmm. he's in NOLA. He would throw lavish parties at,
0: in Russia at one point and in Russia. Time, right? Yes, yeah. correct.
1: He would throw lavish parties and invite the elite, and everyone would sit enraptured in the conversation and the food. But curiously enough, this shock would never eat a morsel, only sip his red wine like his immortal counterpart, the Count. Or was he the Count? And what was he possibly drinking and sipping as he served his snooty guests? Yeah. Right?
0: he never shared no one ever saw him pour from a bottle no so one
1: night several months after moving to new orleans he had a lady stay a bit late or there's a rumor that he picked up a lady and brought her back sure (laughs) so they're out on his balcony at his house at the corner of ursuline and royal and germaine grabs her and tries to bite her neck she states She escaped by falling or jumping from the second-story balcony and then reported the incident to the police. Again, another version is that it was actually a sex worker and that she threw herself from the second-story balcony. The police are skeptical. When they come to investigate, however, they do come to investigate, Jacques Saint-Germain had vanished. So they searched his apartment and they found tablecloths with large splotches of blood on them. They searched the kitchen where they found no sign of food or evidence that food had ever been there or that had ever been prepared there. All they found were bottles of wine. And after pouring themselves a glass, as a good investigator would, of course, drinking it and then spitting it out, they discovered that it was not only, it was not wine in those bottles, but it was wine mixed with human blood.
0: Really? How did they determine that it was human blood? They didn't. Okay. How did they determine that it was blood on the tablecloth and not spilled wine? Because um, I got I spill some red wine. I'm going to call this the tongue test. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: they're drinking out of these bottles, you know somebody's sucking off a tablecloth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so right. right. They are convinced that this is human blood or at the very least um, was some wine mixed in.
0: One and a- I'm not surprised that there's no food in the house because he liked to socialize he did. and he had money. He could eat out. Why would he prepare food when he Listen, can pay someone to prepare? Apparently, for
1: it? this was just not something that was happening in the quarter at that time. And they were in the skeptical. In 1820s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get One it. account also says that when they continue to search, they found clothing from different eras in there. Now, maybe he liked to dress in costume. Maybe he did theater. But apparently there's all these outfits from different eras in time that he had in there. Wow.
0: And allegedly... Maybe he was a collector of antiques. Maybe.
1: But allegedly they also had bloodstains on them. Oh. Well, is he keeping them as souvenirs? It's unclear whether the Count St. Germain and Jacques are the same person, but believers speculate they are, and they think so in New Orleans. To this day, the mysterious figure of the Count St. Germain has his own occult following from theosophists and complete way-out-there mystics, uh, specifically down there in the quarter. Yeah. Although he allegedly died in the year 1784, no one saw his death, although there was the one accounts of the deathbed confession that we had heard about, but there's nothing to really back that up as well. Mm-hmm. And many claim to have seen him years afterwards. Nonetheless, he did disappear from court life. But did he bring his immortal presence to feed on the Cajun royalty we will call them in New Orleans? Like sucking their world famous oysters. (laughs) These people look delicious. They're salty and marshy and I love them.
0: Yes,
1: Love me a good Cajun. So the second vampire legend is John and Wayne Carter. This is literally a factoid that is given at the beginning of all Carter Brothers information. So legitimately, every podcast, everything you look up, you're going to get this blurb. So I'm going to read it because why not? In terms of murder rates, New Orleans ranks among the highest. Shocking. (laughs) It has also been a notorious place for missing persons. That is a place where people just disappear and no one ever knows what happens to them.
0: Very swampy. Yeah.
1: The blood of the French, Spanish, Indian, African, Creole, and English all mixed together here where the mosquito is not so picky, (laughs) nor perhaps are other creatures. Sickness was also rampant in the city. So there's TB going around Charnel. Mm-hmm. There's syphilis. I mean all kinds oh, of, of all kinds of good stuff mm-hmm. that you get from having a good time.
0: Yeah. I've and been in some bars where all those things have been going around. Where you
1: walked in and said, mm, oh, This smells like T B and syphilis?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I actually don't... think they had it on a t shirt. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> I came to New Orleans and all I got was syphilis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think okay. I need a t shirt that says that too. Maybe TB would be more appropriate for me to wear though. I, I think so. Well, yes. so this may have led to some of the craziness and rumors when it comes to vamps. So with tuberculosis, you are notoriously pale when you are sick and bleeding from your membrane, mm-hmm. specifically your mouth. Right. So if you would wake up pale and bleeding from the mouth or other areas, there was a rumor at that point in time that a vampire perhaps had got you in the night. Oh, gosh. So people began wrapping themselves in bulbs of garlic. I bet they smelled lovely. And (laughs) resorting to other means of protection. TB, by the way, fun fact, was actually an influence for when Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, where he used the symptoms of TB to describe vampirism. So there is a root to this.
0: Okay. That doesn't surprise me, really. We usually often take disease and famine and created into a folklore so we have that
1: legitimately and then let's talk about STDs Mm -hmm. because STDs like syphilis well those are nighttime naughty diseases yes you get those by literally (laughs) I have a nighttime naughty (laughs) it's from bumping in the night (laughs) right it's the literal bump in the night
0: (laughs) oh my god if only they put that on the prescription bottles well check this shit Uh. out
1: syphilis was sometimes known to cause birth defects oh Babies with pointy teeth and elongated fingers. Stop it. So like creature of the night spawn vampire style. So you have these two that I named specifically that I looked up because I was just really intrigued about them. They both have these vampire-esque symptoms associated with them. Hmm. Well, let's talk about the Carters. Okay. So John and Wayne Carter were brothers. They seemed to be normal in every aspect. They both had normal labor jobs down by the river and lived in the French quarter. It was the 1930s during the Great Depression. Times are hard, so a man worked all he could. Mm-hmm. They seemed unremarkable until certain events occurred. So one day, a girl was reported to have escaped from the Carter Brothers apartment and run to the authorities. When she gets to the police station, her wrists are cut Not enough to cause immediate damage, but enough to cause her blood to drain slowly over the next several days. She explained that she was only able to get away by escaping her ropes. So the policemen ran to the Carter's. I'm sure they ran. The policemen went to the Carter's (laughs) third story apartment and found four other people, four other people tied to chairs with their wrists sliced in the same fashion. Some had been there for many days. The Carter brothers would allegedly reopen the wrist wounds and drain blood into cups that they would drink from, keeping their human captives for dining purposes. Mm, ow. Oh Right? Can you imagine? no. I just feel like if I'm kidnapped by a vampire, I want to be tied in his room and be bitten nicely on my neck every night. Yes,
0: not my wrist Please don't cut
1: my wrist and tie me to a chair.
0: But then to also continue to reopen the same wound, wouldn't it hurt less to just keep wounding me in different areas? Can we only
1: hope that the rumors that vampire saliva are also healing and like on true blood after they bite you, they like lick your arm and it like heals? Yeah. That's the story I'm sticking to.
0: I like that a lot better.
1: Well, the story was that the brothers had stalked and abducted these people in order to drink their blood at the end of every day when they came home from work. I'm raising my hand. Yes, and question were, child.
0: Were, were they men and women? Yes. Okay, interesting, interesting.
1: What, they did not differentiate. Okay. Uh, one story is that there were four live human vessels- And two bodies found wrapped. Oh. That had apparently served their feeding purposes. The way you said that,
0: four live human vessels. Don't you like it? And two bodies. Okay.
1: Another rendition, though, states police found about 14 dead bodies. So there's two stories.
0: There are two vastly different yep
1: two dead accounts. and four live and another was other and or was that just there was 14, 14 dead, dead. right oh
0: boy so the cops waited for
1: the brothers to return and when they did eventually return it took seven or eight police officers to hold two average average-sized men down mm. are they super strength because they're vampires is it because they've been drinking the human nectar does blood make you stronger and younger Well, upon their arrest, the brothers allegedly begged to be murdered, confessing that they were vampires and that if they were released, they would continue to kill as their need for human blood would never go away.
0: Wow, how chivalrous of them.
1: A few years later, when the Carters were finally executed, because we take our time with these things, especially in the South. If you've ever waited for dinner there, you would know. (laughs) They're about, no one's in a fucking hurry. I
0: guess not. No one. Yeah. We're
1: up here in the, you, when you order dinner, you add it in a couple minutes. They yeah. want you to talk and look at each other and shit there. Oh, This is no. why you get so drunk. Cause you're like, I'll have a glass of wine. And then you're like, well, I'm still waiting for my appetizer. I'll have another glass of wine. By the time dinner comes, you're like, I don't fucking even know what I ordered. This
0: explains the text from you and Tasha when you're together it, down there. It really should. No, it no, really I get does. It. Just in general.
1: <laughs> so when they were executed a few years later, this is the fun part. Their bodies were placed in a New Orleans vault. Okay. Well, cemeteries in New Orleans. I think I've showed you some. How pictures. were they
0: executed? Did it say? No, I believe. Okay. They, well, I because believe they hanging? were.
1: They, I believe they were hanged. Okay. Correct. Yes. Um, the cemeteries are beautiful there. Not only are they more ornate than the rest of the world's, um, or at least the nations, but they're they inter many generations of one family inside one vault. Oh. So these cemeteries are now when you drive by them and you can take tours. Everything is above ground. It is too marshy, the water table level. You can't bury anybody, right? Right. right. So there's these gorgeous, ornate, they look like like mini houses and castles. And some of them are more simple than others, but they're just ridiculously pretty.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh man, my brother would hate that. He hates to be next to people if he knew he had to be buried with all of us. uh, How about on top of you? Yeah, he wouldn't like that. So
1: only in New Orleans Orleans level of like romantic grossness. How do you you bury a person in a literal swamp? Well, when you dump them in the vault, the remains sift down into the bottom of the vault. And then when it's all like rubble and goo or whatever it is, you just slide a new body on top. Okay. So they just slid the bodies on. Sexy. It is. It is. So many years, it doesn't say how many, the legend says that after the Carter brothers' death, when they were placing another Carter from the family into the vault, they discovered the vault was completely empty. No John or Wayne. They were gone.
0: Uh-oh. No remains.
1: Now let me float a theory out here too. Okay. When I was on my cemetery tour, one of the things that they mentioned was how ornate and beautiful these raw iron fences were around the cemeteries. Oh. And why are they there? They're so gorgeous, but they're maybe a little out of place. Well, the tour guide explained that that was because when it would flood in that area, mm. remains would be washed away. Mm-hmm. But the wrought iron would keep most of the bones and remains in, in the yeah. cemetery. That makes sense. Is it possible that the remains floated away? Yeah. Again, this sure, legitimately sure. happened. Were there grave robbers or voodoo bone rituals mm-hmm. of some kind? Mm-hmm. Well, to this day, many sightings have occurred in the French Quarter that match the descriptions of these two brothers almost exactly. Mm -hmm. Years later, an owner of their apartment saw two figures that matched their descriptions outside on the balcony whispering to each other. And when they were seen, both figures jumped off the top of a third-story balcony, landed effortlessly, and took off running. So the legend goes that if a vampire drinks your blood seven nights in a row... Then and only then could you become a vampire. Oh, I had no
0: idea. It was seven nights. Seven nights. I thought it was just once. Some of those. That's what I've been doing wrong.
1: Well, right. Exactly. You should have made additional dates. I got it. Me too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm real bad at that. Why do you think I stayed seven days each time? (gasps) You did. Oh my gosh. Daywalker here. Uh, Um, Next theory. Megan is a vampire.
1: (laughs) Some of those uh, found, uh, some of the people that had been found in the Carter brothers' apartment, by the way, had been there for more than seven days. One warped fellow and a survivor named Felipe went on apparently to become a notorious serial killer. And of course, he would do more than just kill his victims, per the rumor. He was believed to drink the blood of all 32 of his victims.
0: Okay, maybe this was PTSD.
1: Now listen. There's literally no information on Philippe Oh, other than the rumor legend. I can't find a damn thing. But, you know, you can find uh, mysterious murders and and bodies and unclaimed human remains. Some maybe there's some truth in these rumors. Remember that in New Orleans, they're a very oral tradition in terms of how things are told and passed
0: down. Yes, because nothing has ever been lost in the game of telephone.
1: Never. Well, locals legitimately believe that the Carter brothers existed and that they resurface every decade or so. I'm going to get back to some of this. Okay?
0: Every, every 10 years? That's quite every frequently, actually. So. I don't even have family members that resurface every 10 years. <laughs>
1: sometimes, <laughs> Interesting. That's, sometimes that's okay. Right. So the last legend is the, are the about the casket girls of New Orleans, and Ooh. I love this. So this is where Tasha really came in handy. A lot of this is based off of a a 2020 article by Randy Samuelson Brown, but a lot of the information I also received was from the tour that I went on and from talking to Tasha. Okay. When you wander around New Orleans in the balmy, heavy bayou air surrounded by the beautiful and spooky graveyards and angel oaks costumed in moss, it is easy to get lost in the possibility of things existing around you that are unseen. Nola is, after all, in popular opinion, the most haunted city in the United States. Mm -hmm. Really a city that if you look at it and really traveling around, look at it. It fits better in a beautifully romantic and almost gothic European city than it does in the United States. Mm -hmm. Ghosts and vampires do seem within the realm of possibility there. So New Orleans, or La Nouvelle New Orleans, isn't hard to picture hundreds of years ago. You literally, in certain parts, feel like you're Back a hundred years, mm-hmm. the architecture has changed very little. So the exact year the city was founded is up for debate, falling somewhere between 1718 and 1721. In 1721, it was an outpost described by uh, Jesuit Pierre de Charlevoix as a place of a hundred wretched hovels, oh, In- oh my, yeah. inhabited by criminals that were hostile to the crown and a city prone to flooding. New Orleans was repeatedly ravaged by malaria and yellow fever throughout the ages. No matter how beautiful, plague and pestilence has settled in the low wetlands, and it still feels like that yeah. on, on marshy hot days. Sure. In the marsh on hot days. A day can't be marshy, I don't think, but I made it <laughs> up. You know what? It does
0: perhaps now. it can be now. I'm a woman of
1: many words, including the ones I make up. Right. And the victims of the environment can be seen still, memorialized, of course, in the cemeteries. And tours especially take you to see the above-ground graves I spoke about earlier, but specifically the ones located in the St. Louis Number 1 Cemetery. It's walkable from the French Quarter, by the way. So strolling around that area and through there, you could imagine a vampire coming out of the shadows. And every stop that you take will take you, especially on a vampire tour, will take you to gaze upon the convent of the Ursulines at Chartres Street. In 1721, as I indicated before, New Orleans was populated by frontiersmen and other, let's call them hardy characters. So criminals. Hardy characters. The majority of the inhabitants of this outpost were single men. So, from 1716 to 1722, you've got vagabonds, deserters, smugglers who were exported from France. They emptied the prison Charnot to Louisiana.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: This was to relieve overcrowded jails. Mm-hmm. Like this is our territory. Just dumping <laughs> them in the swamp. Dump the it's prisons. Fine. Some people of quality also arrived, and although in lesser numbers, um, so you've got a word that's and never
0: been used to describe me—a person of a quality. A person of quality. I <laughs>
1: feel similarly. Um, so there's this new territory, and a- as questionable as those early settlers may have been, the French Crown spots the obvious gap and decides to supply the settlement with females to ensure it remains.
0: You know what? It's so dirty here. Going, Can we bring in some women? We, we need, need
1: some women. There's so many men. So yeah. the thing to do when you export a bunch of men is export <sighs> a bunch of women. Sure. Which nothing could go wrong. They let out of jails and brothels. Of
0: course they did. Not, they weren't
1: oh, sending women quality, they so did. they're rough and 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 tumbly and. Uh, <laughs> are uh, so going to be good mates for their male counterparts Of course
0: of course we do have to try to find that vibrational match but
1: there's yeah. nowhere near enough in number um, you, know, you empty the male prisons and, and send them over to the Louisiana area and there's not enough women to send over there when you empty them out I mean they started emptying the brothels out too
0: I imagine they don't mind sharing
1: uh maybe not but they're trying to they're trying to marry these people they oh, want them okay. to get married and to have babies and to populate the area uh-huh. so then comes 1726. The Ursuline Order from Rouen, France, arrived in New Orleans, tasked with establishing and providing a suitable orphanage for young girls, along with an education for young women. Yes,
0: bring in young girls. That's all that we need.
1: Well, it's said that French King Louis XIV himself Took an interest in the next shipment of young girls to the fledgling colony, girls who would of one day mature into brides.
0: Of course, he did. We've
1: heard King Louis XIV's name before mm-hmm. in the story of the Count, by yes. the way. Yes. This was the court that he was apparently frequenting at that time.
0: Okay. Oh, and is this how the con- count got there? Girl, just
1: wait. Okay,
0: okay. According to
1: legend, he was looking for girls of virtue who had been recruited from French orphanages and convents. So he didn't care that they were poor, but they are orphans and they're raised by nuns and they're guaranteed to be virgins. I was just
0: going to say, he wants a virgin. He wants virgins. Okay.
1: So these are, these girls are the poorest of the poor, possibly released from like workhouses and other things like that. But irrespective, they're shipped off to New Orleans, either with or against their will. Right. They actually arrived, I believe, in 1728. At least that's what the date is that I've seen the most often. Okay. When they arrive, the women are ushered down the gangplank and they enter onto the ground and to each of their chests, they're holding this cassette or a small chest. It is coffin-shaped, this cassette, oh. and this is what holds all of their belongings. So it looks bizarre. They're getting off, and they're holding these tiny little wooden boxes that really are storage containers, but they look like coffins. coffins. Oh! Also, after nearly six months traveling the rough waters of the Atlantic Ocean, the women are eager to get there and maybe a bit nervous, So, they've all been handpicked by the Bishop of Quebec, an order of the French king. And the young women, again, they're all apparently appropriate age. I don't know what that means. I have a feeling it's 13. I I, I know. For
0: some reason, it seems real rapey. It seems rapey. Um,
1: It is rapey. And on their agenda, the only thing they're hoping is that these women are going to make good matches. Well, when the men who are waiting for them see them, uh, rumors start to circulate pretty ame- immediately. So the Frenchmen there, there that are there are all like pale, P-A-L-E, like pale, mm-hmm. muttering to themselves as they spot these women who are meant to be their brides. The women were so pale, allegedly, that immediately upon entering the Louisiana sun, their skin reddens and blisters within minutes of enduring the hot sun. Oh, Lord. Here we have a little vampire myth much bursting into flame and sunlight. Uh right uh so they're clutching these caskets to their chest these young women who are known as the file a la cassette as they became known and they're brought to their new home this is their new home well welcome to the sun welcome to the hell welcome to hell right so once they're starting to be married off, uh, or until they're starting to be married off, they're supposed to be under the care and protection of the Ursuline nuns. Because if scary French nuns can't keep you pure, no one will. No
0: one can. Was, there is not a more terrifying sentence than under no. the care and supervision of the Ursuline nuns. You got it. So the fate of the filet à la cassette did not go
1: as the French king thought it was going to. Oh, I to. Bet not. The local men in the Vaucraire... Gravely disrespected the women. This is the area that they're living um, And they were put in unwanted marriages. They were mistreated. Uh, many of them were abused. And some of them were abandoned. Mm-hmm. So, finding themselves alone and not married, then they were forced into prostitution. Um, sure. Because women resorted to the oldest trade in the books for survival right. back then. We got to survive. Well, apparently, the French king's had enough at this point. He's pissed and he's like, bring them back to France. Okay. Well, the Sisters of the Ursuline Convent then took the casket-shaped chest that had once carried everything that the Fille à la cassette had owned and climbed the steps to the third floor of the convent. This is the convent located, um, or former convent, because it's not in use now, at 1112 Rue Chartres, so Charter Street. Up until this time, the windows and door to the third floor had always been sealed shut, and apparently they remained so at that time as well. However, it alleges that a short time later when the nuns came back to the third floor the chests that they had placed there were completely empty so they start searching the third floor they never recover any of the belongings that were supposedly in these so they fear that the young women might have been something other than what they said they were the doors then are bolted shut the nails to the windows are nails that were allegedly blessed by the Pope himself and locked into place. Okay. Because if you're going to lock a window with a nail... The Pope better have licked it.
0: That's right. That's the only way. I don't
1: think that's actually how they bless them, but in my in my world, that's what happened. I
0: think that's how it went. Down.
1: Haven't you ever nailed something to a wall? I stick the nail in my mouth while I'm getting Absolutely. ready to do the next one. So one that's a them. blessed nail. Every
0: nail I've ever put into the wall has been in my mouth I don't first. Know.
1: If I put it in my mouth. I feel like it's pretty blessed. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. It is. But after
1: they do this, the whispering began again. But this time, they added one more word to palais, and that was "vampire." Mm. Vampire. In 1978, it is alleged that two paranormal investigators who were seeking answers about the la cassette, they wanted to know if they had really been vampires. So they camp out directly in front of the old Ursuline convent at 1112 Charter Street. Now, they'd been previously kicked off the property for loitering. They were told, don't stay here. We don't want you here. But they decide, as reporters do, anything for a story, gal. Right. (laughs) To stay. They stay the night. And this is 1978. 78. Wow. To yes. see if they could experience anything right outside of the walls. They mm-hmm. want to know what's happening in the convent. Is it really haunted?
0: This is well over 100 years later. Because yes. it was like 1928. Or yes. Excuse me, 1828, right? Yeah. Okay, okay.
1: So the hours pass, minute by minute, and eventually they fall asleep. And in their slumber, they oh. failed to notice that the third floor shutters, the same ones that had been locked shut, by the Pope's blessed cell of, uh, saliva nails. Open and shut. Open and shut. <gasps> the recording cameras whirled to a stop, as they had had going, and the scene fades to black. Allegedly, the next morning, the bodies of the investigators were found. Oh, no. They had been torn open, <gasps> ravaged as if by the claws of an animal, and their bodies drained of blood. Vampires, file a la cassette, it was all one and the same.
0: Okay, I was not expecting this dark turn.
1: The legend of the casket girls as blood-draining vampires has circulated since at least the beginning of the 20th century. And outside the old Ursuline convent, guides will stop and tell you the story of the casket girls and they'll make statements like this. It is there that the casket girls still remained locked away. Without the nails blessed by the Pope, the young women who once hailed from France would be out roaming the streets to feast on the blood of the living. Vlad the Impaler is potentially the first vampire. He was the Romanian prince who did, in fact, by the way, stick his enemies' heads on spikes leading up to his castle, which leads to the myth of vampirism. Charming. So he was, Charming
0: decor. He was an unconventional
1: in his war tactics, Charnel, and I'd even say. his fear tactics.
0: So it's, it's very Game of Thrones-y. It is,
1: and anything involving blood and mutilation is going to scare the uneducated public. So... Fear tactics with vampires have existed for a long time. No one knows whether Vlad the Impaler was actually the true first vampire, if you believe that vampires exist. But there was a reason for it, and it says it in his name. If you get the nickname the Impaler, I can only hope it wasn't from your Tinder
0: site. I I hope (laughs) not.
1: Or maybe not. I mean,
0: hold on. (laughs) I might... Go back to that nickname. Like, what what part of you night? is impaling, sir? Well, they call
1: him the impaler. <laughs> right.
0: They call him the impaler. Well, <laughs> every dude that's listening is like, I'm going to use that on my woman tonight. I'm or or my partner. Yes. Well, for, oh, my God. <laughs> just call me the impaler.
1: <laughs> for this. So I bet, <laughs> for we, I bet if we said that to Brain Bath Jason, he would be so happy.
0: Oh, he would. Make him a shirt. He, oh, the impaler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would be funnier on Wes because he's shorter, but. It's true.
1: It's true.
0: But he would, yeah. I'm not sure Brain Beth Jason can handle that kind of ego. I don't think so either.
1: (laughs) Well, the casket girls then. So for the so-called casket girls, the rumors of vampires and the undead has no basis for, for truth. And I'm saying this lightly now for now. Rumors of vampirism is a much newer edition, perhaps exacerbated by Anne Rice and even the true Blood Sookie Stackhouse novels that I mentioned to you before that are set in a physical, fictional Louisiana town called Bon Temps. But fans of vampires did legitimately suspect from the tales of that time frame that the Filial Cassette were actually transporting vampires in the chest from the old world to New Orleans.
0: Oh. So let's were, look at some were they history. Tiny, were they tiny vampires? Well, I mean, how big were
1: these? First ships? of all, Charnel, don't you know that some vampires turned into bats?
0: <gasps> I forgot. I have not watched Hotel Transylvania in a really long time. Exactly. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Just so our listeners know, all of Charnel's vampire knowledge is gonna come from (laughs) cartoons okay it's not gonna come (laughs) and twilight so basically (laughs) if it's pg-13 and under charnel might have some basic vampire knowledge
0: yeah i don't Uh, watch the horror i however
1: run the range from g to (laughs) nc-17 and possibly some shit that i won't admit to
0: right right
1: (laughs) so Let's talk about some history of bringing young girls into the new world.
0: I love this idea that they were bats in that those little caskets.
1: I totally made that up. No one's ever said there were bats in there. I just speculated, but by the it way.
0: Could, that was an educated guess, my friend, and I'm rolling thank, with it. Thank you. New France. Mm-hmm.
1: The casket girls were not the first program that the French crown created to repopulate in the new world. Okay. There was a Canadian colony called New France, which is modern-day Quebec, by the way. Oh. Also freaking gorgeous. The yeah. French just built some beautiful they shit. Did.
0: Yeah, they really did.
1: So this traces back to 1663. So that colony, too, apparently is lacking in the way of the fair sex. And Jean Talon, the intendant of New France—I really want someone to call me that. The intendant the of int- The intendant. Decided to pen King Louis XIV and ask him for women.
0: Mm, You can just write for women? The king
1: complied and began to recruit women to be sent. It was a stringent process. The women had to be between the prime ages of 12 and 25.
0: Oh, fuck.
1: And they had to provide a letter from their respective parish priests, which recommended them for the position. What a day. Can
0: we just uh, pause for a second?
1: Instead of going to middle school, you ask the priest on your knees if he'd write you a letter so that you can go and whore yourself in the new world.
0: Right. Exactly. I'm ready for a
1: husband now, father.
0: Because some dude wrote pen paled his friend and was like, hey, I need some chicks in the prime ages of 12 to 25. Do you got any to spare? Yeah, there was not much to nail there. So Uh. they needed wives.
1: So they were called the Filet du Roy, or the King's Daughters. And between 1663 and 1673, over 800 women made the voyage from France to Canada. Wow. But not all of the women made it in Quebec. Some of them died en route, route, and others stood at the port in France and rethought their life decisions before hightailing it back to their village and running away. Others were Love. actually sent back to France from Canada for failing to live up to the standards of being a filet du roi.
0: Yes, because the the waves on the way over broke their hymen.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe it was the waves or the sailors, or oh, maybe the tw- them too. Maybe the twelve year old girls got here and were very upset and not acclimating to their fifty year old husbands. Correct. So the idea that these women were prostitutes started to be fostered early on, Uh, even within a century of the women landing. There's a Baron Lahontan that wrote that women were of middling virtue, and the only reason they had chosen to emigrate was because they needed religious absolution from their sins. Basically, these are ladies of the night, and they need to find some Jesus in their lives.
0: Okay. Yes, let's go to Quebec.
1: they came here to spread their terrible monstrous vaginas upon us and trick us into their womanly wifery
0: wow that was a mouthful um, yep
1: yeah, i know
0: wow the things that we did as humans in history y'all i know it is this is well in, in history let's
1: use the term loosely because a lot of this is oral tradition that was finally written down by men
0: oh yeah when you've got the words oral in men there's always exaggerations yeah
1: well fair enough oh out of over 800 women, by the way, only one woman was ever charged with prostitution. And her name was Catherine Gouchelin. That poor woman. And she only turned to prostitution after her husband decided that he'd much rather live in actual France than New France.
0: So he abandoned her. I want old France back.
1: With their two children. Oh, And went gosh. back to France. No.
0: No, oh, thank you. this poor girl. I so just feel
1: bad for everyone you in should. this story. Well, the next group is Biloxi. So, they came in July of 1704, and they were sent to the French colony in Biloxi. So, Biloxi, Mississippi. Yeah. They arrived on the Pelican at the bidding of Jean-Baptiste Lemoyne sur Bienville. So, Bienville is is a typical um, place name in New Orleans, including a a very long road in the French Quarter area. Um, Well, at least I call it a long road for a downtown area. Well, like Jean Talon, Bienville had written directly to King Louis XIV for potential brides for his soldiers and his men. And these are soldiers. They sailed down the Mississippi, by the way, with Bienville, the soldiers did. And now they're basically chasing through the woods in pursuit of Indian mistresses. Oh. So Bienville's like, we can't have this. This fuckery will not happen here. We must get women of quality here so my men stop chasing after the uh, Native American oh, women in gosh. the area. And I'm I sure those many... women were voluntarily entering into those relationships. Oh,
0: I'm sure. Before
1: we villainize these terrible Indian mistresses who are obviously being raped yes. by your lovely men.
0: Yes, exactly. Also, just think about it. How many letters a day did the king get requesting women to be sent to all these places for essentially, my men are lonely. They yes. would like some... Tail. Tail. I was going to say the naughty P word, but oh. I didn't.
1: <laughs> I didn't. Thank you. Oh. This is a general audience publication. It is. It is. So King Louis agrees and sends 23 women in the care of the Sisters of Charity in Order of Quebec. Again, if you, none can't keep you pure, none other person will. <laughs> no. Uh, There's as a as well as a father henry levent and three other priests. Mm. So I'm sure they didn't do anything at all inappropriate. Never. Mm-mm. The women marriage marriageable women ranged in age between 14 and 19.
0: Oh, we're we're aging. We They're practically went, old biddies we by up then. we 2 years
1: to 14, but we didn't want Anyone twenty or older? Wow, no,
0: makes me feel They're, super good about myself. No, right their now.
1: uteruses are rotten and yes. have nothing to offer us.
0: Yes, I've. Uh, that's what happened to me when I was procreating in my twenties. Right. I felt rotten, but
1: these women were specifically chosen because they were pure. They were known virgins. Mm-hmm. Don't ask how we knew.
0: Mm. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, bleh. that's what priests did. They checked you for your virginity. Yes, I've never heard of a bad story about a priest, so I'm sure it was all very, not at g- all very good. Not at
1: all. Uh, An alleged letter written to Bienville by the French king read as follows. His majesty send by that ship 20 girls to be married to the Canadians and others who have begun habitations at Mobile in order that this colony can firmly establish itself. Each of these girls was raised in virtue and piety and know how to work, which will render them useful in the colony by showing the Indian girls what they can do. For this, there (sighs) being no point in sending other than a virtue known and without reproach.
0: Oh, this okay.
1: is the grade A prime time that we're sending you.
0: This does this feel like a meat market? Because it feels like a meat market yes. to me. And then the next group
1: arrived, who were not so very pure or so very virtuous.
0: Oh, were they vampirous?
1: This is the arrival of the Baleen Brides. So once again, Bienville is desperate for women.
0: They sent him like twenty Charnel. Oh my god. It's <laughs> a lot of
1: women to marry off to a Way too many men. I'm sure nothing bad happened there.
0: No. So he's in the new
1: colony of New Orleans at this point. It's the year 1721. The desperation is still there. So the men in New Orleans need brides. They are having illicit affairs with enslaved women or women of the Jean-Livre des Calours. So the um, African uh, Mm. tribes, uh, Caribbean women Mm -hmm. um, that had uh, migrated there from, um, what did we say, like the Dominican Republic Mm -hmm. and uh, the Caribbean nations. Yeah. To say nothing of the fact that they reportedly the scum of France with only debauchery on their minds, Bienville's words.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bienville
1: needed good, virtuous women.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Who was the king of France to turn down such a proposal? So he gladly acquiesced. This time, he turned to the Hospi- Hospital General de la Salpitre for the women Bienville needed. Mm. I have no idea what that means. I didn't look it up. But it looks like a general so, hospital.
0: You, send it sec- you said it sexily. Yeah, and I whisp- I'm I whisper
1: sweet nothings. Uh, 88 women arrived near Mo- Mobile Bay on January 8th, 1721. They were promptly handed over to Bienville. This time around, however, unfortunately, the French king had found his supply of women from the House of Corrections. Oh! All were destitute, most were prostitutes, and somehow expected to become proper wives. So this plan wasn't real well executed, not as well as the 1704 or even 1673 plans. And all these new women, well, they basically um, only added to a debauchery type of environment that was already raging in New Orleans. So basically... Right.
0: They were like, I will join you with your
1: beating and thieving. It has always been a party town.
0: Yeah. Now I'm starting to understand why. I love this. So
1: it should come as no wonder that Bienville's going to try again. And this is perhaps where we have um, the... 1728 filiacas set. Okay. So then they come. And to them, it only got worse. Because even though these girls were pure, these are allegedly vampires.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about... Well, we haven't tried vampires yet. So let's throw those in and see if that can build the city.
1: All these whores and prostitutes and vampires coming at me. Oh, my gosh. So did the French colonists think that Bienville had brought them prostitutes as wives again? Maybe um because this shipment before shipment i love talking about people as (laughs) As shipments so i apologize for saying that so loosely as it rolled off my tongue gosh well just cattle now so we have the matter of pale skin so there's no record in Well, of course their skin is pale they were on a ship thank you so but here's the other thing it wasn't a cruise ship The commentary about the women being pale, I mean, yeah, they'd been stuck on a ship for six months, probably saw little to no sun, because let's be honest, they're going to be put below deck because they're proper and virtuous. They're not going to put them up on the deck
0: with sailors. No, no, this is not a vacation.
1: And let's also remember that the, the French Creoles living in New Orleans are probably tan, I mean, most oh, of them right. that I saw were—they're exposed to the damn sun. Right, they're right near the, the Gulf. sun. Can
0: probably penetrate through their walls. It's for crying considered out loud. a
1: subtropical climate. Right, I haven't Absolutely. seen a—I haven't seen a house with like insulation or like a furnace in in most of those. Yeah, they all have air conditioners. I though. bet. Yeah, <laughs> at least in the windows. In comparison
0: to these, excuse me. Oh my! (laughs) What vampire? I was going to say.
1: Yeah, right. Are you going to turn into a bat right now? Um, I can't. I actually don't turn into a bat. That's actually a myth. I'm oh. a, and I'm a day walker. So in comparison <laughs> to the sun's kissed skin of the Frenchman, obviously the casket girls or cassette girls are going to look like transparently white.
0: E- right. Even more. Have you ever stood I'm next very to pale. somebody that's tan? Well, that's true. You are very I pale. am.
1: This is a huge tan for me. Right. And my, my Anne Marie too, she's like translucent white. And yeah. she was commenting on how great her tan was yesterday at their competitive cheer competition. And I'm like, she's literally glowing on the <laughs> <night>. <laughs> So the meaning of cassette, the word casket was not widely used until the mid 19th century to refer to burials mm-hmm. in or, or burying the dead. Instead, cassette is a middle French word that refers instead to a small box for jewels or a chest. Oh. The casquette girls were known to have brought cassettes with them, but they literally were meant for storage. They were luggage. But not like, for little bats. Not for little bats or little people. Okay. Nathaniel Hawthorne, who is a famous American author, mm-hmm. uh, reconfirms this idea when in 1863, he said, caskets, a vile modern phrase, which compels a person to shrink from the idea of being buried at all. Oh, yeah. So yeah. by 1900, um, casket is used in relation to burial object then. And so the early 18th century, the cassettes brought with a young woman were obviously, sorry to disappoint anybody here, uh, as this article had said, but they were... Unlikely they said in the shape of a casket or coffin at all. Right now, they're
0: just little boxes holding their other people, uh, incredibly disagree.
1: And and Tasha's one of them. She insists, and their lore is that her culture is that they were in fact shaped like caskets for some reason. Mm.
0: So maybe that's just the popular mold of the time as they were making the boxes, potentially, Mm -hmm. potentially.
1: So Let's talk about the third floor of the convent for a minute.
0: Yes, let's. Okay. The one that was locked after all the caskets were um, empty were emptied, right? As
1: we can lovingly imagine, the Pope actually b- blessing these nails to keep vampires locked inside of the attic. It's, it's probably not likely. So realistically, those shuttered windows are probably hurricane shutters that mm-hmm. were installed sometime in the last few decades. We, I, I doubt, I doubt that there were actually shutters at that point in time to be honest with you. I seriously doubt they were spending time making those hurricane shutters when they were probably boarding things up as -hmm. quickly as possible and not beautifully. But I could be wrong. Well, Ghost City Tours, fantastic tour company. Please hit them up. They say they have on good authority from the archivist of the Archdiocese of New Orleans that there is nothing on the third floor of the old Ursuline convent besides archival records and other storage items. Or is it all a conspiracy theory? To hide the last vi- vampires in a city where hiding in the dark of night is easy, and getting lost in a crowd is even easier. Yeah. Well, it's hard to say, Charnel, why the vampire myth has stuck around for so long and who exactly started it. Was it really Anne Rice's take on this with Interview with a Vampire that sparked this whole thing? Is it simply the fact that the New Orleans people love the alternative and weird Um, Maybe it's just a case where the legends retold and retold again because tourists love to hear it and it's become a part of their oral culture. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is that the casket girls did go on and make some brilliant marriages in their years in the French Quarter. And it is said that almost all of New Orleans can trace their lineage back to one of the young women sent from France to become the French Creole's brides. Oh, don't worry. I'm not done. Doing research, there is no true account that I could find of the 1978 murders of the reporters. Okay. Which obviously would have been a major news story at the time. Yeah. Some people through that myth could have even been, thought that myth could have even been attributed to this old 1978 movie. So there's this classic 70 cheesy horror movie called the Mardi Gras Massacre.
0: Oh, Okay. If
1: you like to watch scary, gory stuff that's not actually scary or gory, so you would hate it, look up the Mardi Gras Massacre. Okay. And the casket girl myth has the two versions. So think about this too. The first is that the girls were vampires themselves because of their appearance. Right. Likely ravaged by TB and other shipborne illnesses. Scurvy. Yeah. Two. Oh, gosh. Causing the paleness, the coughing up of blood. I forgot about the scurvy. Right. Yeah. Two is that the girls brought their vampire masters from the old world in their caskets and operated even perhaps as a feeding source for them. Hmm. The vampires then escaped the caskets, would leave the third floor of the convent, and to feed on New Orleans citizens. There was also a story that in 1984, nine people were found in and around the French Quarter, throats ripped open, drained of blood. The police never arrested any suspects, and the murders happened that once with no reoccurrence. Had a vampire been on the loose? Had the Carter brothers resurfaced? Well, similarly to the 1978 murders, I looked those up as well and can find no proof that there were massacres in 1984, these vampire murders that happened. Mm. Do you think vampires are real? Well, I'm not sure yet. Clinical vampirism has been recognized as a neurological disease in which those with symptoms drink human blood, Mm -hmm. believing it to be beneficial for their health. Psychologists also say... That symptoms begin with incidences in childhood Mm -hmm. that draw a sexual connection to the ingestion of blood. Uh So this interest in blood results in individuals drinking maybe their own blood and then Mm -hmm. potentially animals Mm -hmm. and humans. Now, there's other real vampire connections here. Mm -hmm. There are real vampire communities in New Orleans A John Edgar Browning, who is a Ph.D., was at the time of this writing, a Ph.D. candidate at Louisiana State University, did research in New Orleans and found that there are about 50 individuals who identify as vampires living in New Orleans. Many of the real vampires of New Orleans have fangs or are nocturnal. Research has stated that these are cultural markers, but the vampires insist that they're biological. So oh, somebody got their teeth done.
0: I was gonna say I have it's read articles okay. about people getting their teeth done. It's okay if they're maybe nylator. he had syphilis. Yeah. They have just, pointy teeth. You just never know. Was, right, maybe his mom had syphilis. A study that by was the birth defect, yes. Right.
1: Wouldn't you love to work for the Atlanta Vampire Alliance? Mm-hmm. Might be my next career. Oh, right. They reported about five thousand of these people, these individuals identifying as vampires in the United States. Clinical vampirism is sometimes called Renfield syndrome. Mm-hmm. It has not been recognized by the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders yet. Renfield, in classic Dracula stories, was Dracula's deranged and devoted servant. Some renditions of Renfield even state that he was fed on in the hopes of being turned into an immortal vampire by his um, maker, his master.
0: His master, yeah.
1: Those who self identify as vampires even have their own organization in New Orleans known as the New Orleans Vampire Association, or NOVA. Now, I want you to keep in mind and find small humor in this that when I was in New Orleans attending my NOVA conference for the National Organization for Victims.
0: I was going to say, NOVA sounds really familiar I to me, again. I NOVA
1: and kept getting directed to the fucking Vampire Association. I will tell you, I wanted to go there instead after I saw the I site. I bet. I bet. They accept all paradigms, denominations of all sorts, and anybody basically who identifies as a vampire. NOVA is governed by a council. It's comprised of members of seven houses, so like Harry Potter, that serve as sects of demo- denominations reflecting various aspects of Novus community values. Browning did research that involved expensive time spent at these meetings where he observed that the members were predominantly Caucasian. There were near equal numbers, though, of men and women, and they hmm. ranged in age from 18 to 50. Now, the association was actually formed in 05 after Hurricane Katrina, uh, members participate in charitable events they volunteer at homeless shelters host silent auctions but they do not have an active media presence anymore and it is said that it's unclear as to whether the association is association is still operating but it does come up when you do a google search
0: it's a vampire sorority i love it so first
1: Whores and prostitutes are sent to the men, okay?
0: Okay. We know this. Yeah. yeah. They're
1: settling in a swamp. It's we're, empty We're to recapping prisons. here. Uh-huh. I'm recapping uh-huh. because I have some stuff.
0: Yes. Are we getting back to the count? We're getting back to
1: all of it. All of it? Of it? Okay. Um, all right. So here's the one thing I'm going to do for you that I hope that you have never heard when hearing a Vampire of New Orleans story before. Because of our Tasha, we feel like we can tie all of these together instead of them being toward, told individually. Okay. So first of all, these men that come over that aren't the convicts and that aren't the whores and prostitutes, they are led on propaganda of what Louisiana is that shows rolling hills and farmland. So these English and Frenchmen come to settle in this area, the area around Lake Pontchartrain, at least. And this is during the time before Spain took over because New Orleans has been under both French and Spanish rule and then back to French and then yeah. we got involved and ruined the whole thing. And... These rich land barons come in, and they don't want to marry the whores and prostitutes, so they want reputable women. So, this is where we're back then to the king emptying these Catholic nuns' um, uh, orphanages, and they send all the girls of marrying age over. And, again, they came with their caskets. So, when were the Carter brothers in St. Germain actually in New Orleans? Because I didn't give you dates. Mm-hmm. What is speculated by the people who live there, the people who know it and who live these, this vampire culture, this is their culture, believe that they completely overlapped. The casket girls had TB and scurvy and they look like vampires. The Ursuline nuns taken to the convent with these cassettes. Carter Brothers sightings are always after the casket girls, but not before. There is never a rumor ever that the Carter brothers were ever sighted. Even the first one before the girls were brought over. The cassette girls were brought over. All right. So it's like they all arrived at the same time. There was never a vampire sighting. Yes. Until the cassette girls came over. Okay. And could St. Germain have also traveled around the same time? So the rumor is that the Carter brothers were some of the vampires that were stowed away. At least two of them. Now, Saint Germain, he could have traveled either with them on the ship because he was known to be a day walker. There were no, nothing specifically indicating that he was only out at night, or potentially he was stowed away as well. This is also around the time, by the way, time frame wise, if we look back, that Saint Germain disappeared. So he disappears out of European culture where he's been traveling in these circles, allegedly has, you know, dies later. Yes. But It could have been then that he came over in this casket with the Carter brothers. Mm -hmm. Tasha's, I believe, five times great-grandma came over around the same time, if her history goes back correctly, as the casket girls. And her tracing the lineage, she had been in a convent, she was an orphan, and she was brought to New Orleans where she was in the Ursuline convent. Wow. They can trace her lineage there. So Tasha's family believes, and she does as well, that she is thought to be a descendant of the Casquette girls. And I just told you, there's a lot of people in New Orleans that indicate they trace their lineage there. Well, the Carter brothers are still searched for. Even prominent members of New Orleans society with high social status believe in the Carter brothers. And there are individuals who believe that there are people walking around every decade or or so either politicians or wealthy business people in there who match the descriptions of the Carter brothers still. Wow. Also, dead bodies still turned up, turn up in New Orleans, rumored to be drained of blood, but there's not really bite marks, okay? okay. So then they're like, well, this can't be it. Well, charnel I ask you, implore of you, why would there be? The Carter brothers actually slit their victims' wrists and drank. There
0: was never any talk about them biting. Right out of Mm goblets. And St. Germain,
1: uh, Jean, when he was here, he drank out of goblets as well. Other than his one faux pas of potentially biting a, a sex worker or guest right. on the neck, which where might have she, just been a kink gone wrong, it might have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while there is no proof of these bodies being linked to the vampires, as I have indicated before, there's there's speculation about what could have been happening. So I asked Tasha about the reporters. She actually had done some research on microfiche at the times picayune
0: and found this that is not the first time you've talked about the times picayune i know that's on their paper there yeah.
1: so no there's nothing specific about two reporters that died outside the ursuline convent in 78 but what she did find was that two people were reported dead on a police blotter and the address that was given was the address of the ursuline convent really? and it occurred in that same month those were the only details that she found. So to say, though, that there's nothing to indicate that isn't necessarily true right. because something happened around that time. And two people died. Two people died. So conspiracy theory then, are there vampires in society is covering it up? Mm-hmm. Is yes, it possible? just so there's
0: not mass hysteria. Correct. hysteria. Mm-hmm.
1: So ending a little bit here, let me find give you some fun stuff. Have If you've ever seen a Cajun funeral, do you know what the second line is? Second line is like this fucking like band. It's like a party dancing down the streets. They like close the streets off and there's like brass coming down. When I was in my conference, they literally brought a second line in, came through the conference playing this music, (laughs) this New Orleans. They're playing jazz. That's amazing. It is so cool. Well, a Cajun funeral is like nothing you've ever seen because there is people. there are people carrying a casket down the road. The second line is dancing. They're literally shaking the casket. If you have two people die also, by the way, they go in different directions. Oh. And the funeral processions also follow different routes. So instead of just going straight from the funeral home to the um, cemetery, they're taking all these weird routes and dancing and doing all this stuff. Well, apparently the reason they do this is because they vampires are easily confused. They're thought to be stupid and full of bloodlust. What? They didn't Edward want. Edward was so smart and charming. But maybe he wasn't when he first rose. Oh, well, maybe. They didn't want their loved one who was being buried to wake up after being buried and be able to find their way back to come home and eat mama.
0: Oh, no. So they followed these
1: paths instead. So, is it safe to come wander? Come home to eat mama. Come home to her Tasha's quote, by the way. Oh, okay. So, is it safe to wander around New Orleans and not be eaten by a vampire? Well, I have to quote Tasha's grandma, Beverly. Don't mess with the creepy and the creepy won't follow you home. <laughs> And that applies to hot Cajuns too.
0: It I think it applies to a lot of situations as a matter of fact. So there's my version
1: of the vampires of New Orleans with significant assistance from a Cajun friend.
0: I loved every moment of that. Thank you so much. That was so different than I think what most people will get most true crime fans will get during spooky season and if this you don't year. like it skip it and listen to something depressing because no, I, I have
1: this... lots of that for you too. go back a couple episodes absolutely
0: but truly that was that was phenomenal I am so happy I'm should so I bathe you, you anyway though I I need bathed in something more than blood I'm right. gonna bathe you because this is
1: 13 funniest heck stories about haunted house fails that are worth the price of admission
0: okay I hope we
1: haven't done these if we have you're gonna have to I don't I don't remember it Oh, I don't know. This sounds familiar, but it still kills me. My sister and I went to a haunted house. We decided that I would lead the way through the house. It was incredibly dark, and my low-light vision is not great. Cuts to me circling us around the same room three times because I can't find the entrance to the next room. I've done that in a haunted house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eventually, the staff takes pity, but because (laughs) they don't want to break character, they say, ooh, there are stairs (laughs) on your left. (laughs) My sister and I were laughing at ourselves just as much as I'm sure the staff was.
0: That's so funny. It's a Buzzfeed
1: article. by No, the way. I
0: don't remember any of that. Also, just so you know, I do. Um, do you, go you to, like haunted, I houses. Do go to haunted houses? We gotta yeah. go. I
1: love yeah. them too. So um, I'll start this story by saying that my brother and I both have weird senses of humor to begin with when it comes to spooky stuff. So when we started hearing a baby crying in one haunted house, we went mm. to. We'd already started to crack up laughing. Apparently, in that particular room, a fake baby is supposed to swing down on a noose to scare you. But instead, the baby got accidentally detached from the rope and flew across the room. (laughs) We both laughed so hard, they told us we needed to leave.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. So, uh, the scaredy dad, this one's called... Last weekend, I went to a haunted house, just me and my dad. I typically grab onto someone's arm for moral support during these things, so I was glad he was there. But I never knew how much of a chicken my dad was until he literally pushed me in front of everything, (laughs) including a chainsaw. I left him after that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Sorry, it's survival at that point.
1: This one says, my friend was holding my hand while we were walking through a haunted maze. The problem was at one point he got so scared he took off running. His watch got caught on the sleeve of my shirt and he ripped off my shirt to the point where it was just hanging off of my shoulder and my body. No.
0: Yep. I hope he, I hope where she was did, wearing a bra. Where did you
1: go to that really scary haunted house in Texas?
0: Oh my gosh! Um, Do you remember what city you were? It in? would have been uh, Houston, okay, or Austin. My it sister and Austin. I went to the Sorry. House of
1: Torment in Austin when I was sixteen. Is it the House of Torment? I can't remember, Liz.
0: Patreon, Liz. Okay, remind me. We almost tipped over porta potties in that one. Yeah.
1: Porta potties in a haunted house. Uh, that's out, just just a- outside of it. Oh, okay, yeah, good. just outside of it. That's but a terrible idea. We were so Shitty, scared really.
0: that we um we went to the same porta potty together. And it it almost tipped. Yeah, Mm because you. That was almost a situation. Mm -hmm. My
1: sister and I went to the House of Torment in Austin when I was 16. We were getting super scared, as per usual, for these haunted houses. But at a point, I just couldn't take it anymore and literally dropped to the ground because I was so scared. My sister proceeded to pick me up and physically drag me through the rest of the house while making the angriest face I've ever seen. She was in protection mode. But what was funny was that after she started making that face, literally no one was popping out to scare us. I actually saw one guy about to jump out at us. Then he saw her face and retreated. She literally scared the people that were supposed to scare (laughs) us. She was on a mission.
0: That's so funny. Liz actually hurt her back there just as we were coming out. Because she was startled? Well, yeah. Like a big dinosaur thing like chases you out and it ran into her like back yes and you know she had a bad lower back anyway plus we were also in a subway cart um car simulation in that thing and it thrashes you around oh good god and it hurt her lower back there too well, i would yep. imagine then i made her it's go like to the being in a car party ride. with me oh yeah my god. the little alien guy did ha- come in, and help us um out yeah oh that's funny. It was it was a whole situation <laughs> i'm gonna so leave fun. you with this one I was in the sixth grade and
1: my older sister and her friend wanted to take me to a local haunted house knowing that I would be terrified. I wanted to seem cool, so I stupidly went. Mm, Yeah. We got as far as the second room before I saw a woman lying down, chained up with blood all over her, yelling, help, please help me. I got so freaked out that I started yelling to everyone that this woman seriously (gasps) needed our help. It got to the point where this lady, who was obviously acting, busted out laughing, breaking character and told me she was okay, but I needed to move along so that I didn't mess up. The experience for everyone else. Oh no! I am now 29 and still feel the embarrassment from
0: that night. Certainly. Sometimes, though, your mind can create reality for you that's not really there. It can. Oh, it that's can. unfortunate. So yeah. Oh, well, so that's what I've got for you. Thank you so much. What a wonderful episode. And to you know, I, I just this was the perfect episode for you to to cover. I wouldn't I have been able to do. And I love vampires. Yep. and that was perfect. I went on all the tours and did all the things, and I'm still alive. Or I don't know. You're pretty pale. I know. I'm not sure. I <laughs> feel like. There's plenty enough for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like you have tried to bite me before. So these are things I'm oh going to have to I brought,
1: I think I reevaluate.
0: Prob- I think I probably have. About our friendship. So. So. Yeah. Right, well.
1: Nope. I dig it so far. <laughs> no apologies. And until next time, <laughs> right. y'all, keep it curious.
0: Keep listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.